you're being pulled into a world and this world has endless depth. And when you get to the end, you want to start over because everything you thought meant one thing actually means so much more. Reality, so like shifting fundamental perspectives over and over and over again. Like it's not just a new thing you learn. It's like your whole perspective changes like in a dramatic, radical way. Mm-hmm. There is a way you cannot escape the cosmic machine. Like even, even yeah. when you die and how mm-hmm. exhausting that is. Um, you start to feel that on the show, like this weight of all these different connections and how everything is interlocking. You can feel that in your life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Big flick energy. Welcome to Big Hormone Enneagram, Big Flick Energy, where occasionally we will drop little bonuses where we talk about uh, art or media or something else, something pop cultural uh, in terms of its inner work meaning and trying to extract from cultural phenomena the relevance to inner work and unpacking symbolism and how it may be enneagrammatic or inner work related. And so today it is myself and Emika, and we are talking about the show Dark on Netflix. If you haven't finished the show, you should probably not listen because there's going to be a bunch of spoilers. We're going to spoil the fuck out of it. (laughs) But yeah, where do you want to start? Well, so yeah, part of uh, why we're talking about it is because the third season just came out on Netflix. It's a German language show, and it's got three seasons, and when it first premiered, people compared it to Stranger Things, but better. Or more like an adult Stranger Things, because it's definitely got more adult content. Right. And I was curious about it because uh, I know the, I guess, writer and, and co-creator of the show, Jantenche Fries, who is, uh, I know her through the Enneagram. And I don't know her well, but uh, she's very cool and very interesting, and so I was excited to check this out. You should tell people her typing. She is a sexual self-pres five with a four wing, an actual one. Yes. And <laughs> if it isn't clear from the show, <laughs> if it isn't clear from the show, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of law of three with throughout the show. But uh, what I'll say about it is that why Emika and I want to talk about it is because when you finish the third se- season, the revelations of it change the whole experience of the show. Um, it starts out as a kind of a, a, a mystery where uh, children start disappearing and what it ends up unfolding into. And again, fucking stop now if you don't want spoilers. Ends up being a time travel show. And it is so fucking goddamn intricate and well thought out. And uh, one of the things that I was most impressed by was just how they would have, you know, three different actors playing one character from different periods of life, childhood, and how incredibly uh how much they resembled each other i think somebody posted a video just explaining some of the things people missed and one of them was just how good of a job they did with casting even to the point of using people's relatives to get that uh, similarity in the face like it's just they did a really good job casting into tying people's physical similarities around across different times amazing and and as it goes into the second season there's this revelation that there are these there's this group called sick mundus 
And so you start finding from the second series that there's this group, Sikmundus, that's you, you're not sure what their actual agenda is, what their plan is, or the orchestrator of it is a man named Adam. And what you find out throughout the course of the show is that Adam is the older Jonas, and that a lot of these time travelers are working for Sikmundus. And into the third season, uh, you find Sikmundus is sort of in conflict with another group led by a woman who calls herself Eva. And I believe that group is actually called Eret Lux, meaning and there was light. But I yeah. think that was like mentioned once. And they have their own symbol. It's that symbol with the staff with the interlocking snakes. Oh, the Caduceus. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. They I didn't catch that. Yeah, they. it's a mirror world. And what the producers of the show did was they mirrored every scene from the first season, like the rooms, the positions. So they had to reverse all the things in the room to sort of flip it so that it would look right. So they they created a mirror world uh, and they did everything flipped, but they used a different symbol for that same door. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because uh, so the, in the second season, you know, or for the first to the second season, there's this pattern of 33 years. The show starts in nine, 2019 and um, the, the years um, 1953 mm-hmm. and um, what's the other one? 1986 become the kind of crossover years. So there's a law of three pattern going on of these three timelines are related to one another. And it just jumps between them. But then, as Emic is saying, it built, first of all, it builds further in the future and further into the past by like a god particle that you walk into and it transports you through time. In the end of the second series, uh, second season, a character named Marta, who's the love interest of Jonas, is killed by Adam. So the older Jonas kills his younger love interest, Marta. And as Jonas is, you know, mourning. Uh, an alternative Marta comes in. And so it's not just the future and the past, but there's also an alternative or parallel universe. And it gets even wilder from there. At the end, what you find is that uh, Eva is the older alternative Marta, you know, and she's in competition and her people and family members are in competition with Adam, the older Jonas from another timeline, another parallel universe, another Mm -hmm. world. Throughout the show, you start finding out that the characters are related in ways that are very unexpected. And the family tree is fucking wild. Yeah. And it really starts from Jonas of the first world with Marta of this alternative world having a child. Yes. And through this crazy family tree, you find out that basically Jonas is like his own great, great, great grandfather. Yeah. it spurned out this very elaborate system of, of family members. And you find out stuff like there's a character called uh, Charlotte and a character called Elizabeth. And you find out that they are one another's mothers and daughters. Mm-hmm. So there are these, these paradoxes emerge. It, it's re- really interesting how the show starts off on one layer and it gets deeper. By the end of the first season, you get to a certain level of depth where you feel like there's a lot going on here. There's this interlocking families and time traveling and you get through season two and there's another layer of complexity from the different devices of time travel, the different times that people are uh, traveling to, um, the way people are interlocking. And by the time you get to the third season, you discover that there's there's another world, a mirrored world, and these two worlds are linked from some origin conception between the two worlds and 
people are traveling in time and procreating with different members of the family and giving birth to their sons. And it's just, it is a incredible detail oriented labyrinth that, that a lot of shows do stuff like this, but they don't actually follow through on the trails. Right. But this is a show that if you're willing to study that everything makes sense. Um, Part of why we're so enthusiastic about the show is because it has this incredibly high concept, but it doesn't drop the fucking ball. Yeah. It delivers. And so many shows like True Detective season one had this amazing setup. And then just last episode just sucked. Mm -hmm. And it says something about the type of the creative of the show. I I looked into, um, if you look at the credits at the beginning, she's the principal writer. She writes the show. Her husband is the director of the show. So, um, I mean, she creates it with the director. So maybe there's some co-writing going on. But you can tell that this concept is not like a writing team. This is a cohesive story by one person. By one um, maniac. By a sexual five. And so um, the level of detail and the level of unfolding depth, is, this is a lot of like some sexual five stuff where you're being pulled into a world and this world has endless depth. And when you get to the end, you want to start over because everything you thought meant one thing actually means so much more uh, reality so like shifting fundamental perspectives over and over and over again like it's not just a new thing you learn it's like your whole perspective changes like in a dramatic radical way mm-hmm. that that's a good summation of what sexified would would do with a subject matter like this but anyway i think that what you and i got really into was the ending and yes. <laughs> um at the very end of the show adam has kidnapped the alternative young Marta, mm-hmm. who is pregnant with the younger version of himself's child. Yes. And this child is a character called the unknown. Well, one interesting thing about this unknown character is they are represented as a young boy, um, a middle-aged man, and an old man. And they always show up together in threes doing yeah. random shit. um (laughs) that was cool i actually thought that was cool because i was like why is this happening who is this person (laughs) totally but at the end you know adam is trying to break the pattern of what's happening like a lot of the this incest and all this kind of stuff arises because it's like part of the logic of the time travel is that every time a travel happens uh, there's a slight adjustment it's not completely mechanical there's this people have a little bit of choice and it changes ever so slightly to the point where reality itself has to kind of correct for itself. For example, when Adam is younger, when he's Jonas, uh, Jonas tries to kill himself and he's unable to, like he points a gun at his head and it, it goes, you know, it doesn't fire. Mm-hmm. And, but then when he tries to shoot the wall, it fires immediately. And a character explains like your older self exists in this time and you can't die because you know he exists and so a lot of these things that seem totally nonsensical like the mother daughter loop it's like the the idea is that there have been uh, almost an infinite number of repetitions of this timeline and in each time it's like a knot getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter on the other hand so he's trying to destroy this he thinks this is fucked up and sick and he's seen people die and be lost and betray each other and he's he's aware that this just keeps going on on the other hand there's Eva, who is the alternative reality's older Marta. And she is trying to preserve it. She sees herself as, you know, this Adam and Eva. It's like one is dark, Adam, and, and one is light, Eva. And they've got all these people sort of battling for each other. And all the while, uh, there's been a character named Prodya Tiedermann. Mm-hmm. 
early in the series she is the uh she's like the mentor of Jonas yeah teaching him the ropes of time travel and feeling like he's the only one that can stop there's a there's this apocalypse hanging over the 2020 2019 timeline and she feels like he's the only one that can do this but in the all the while too she has a daughter named Regina and in this timeline these timelines Regina has cancer and is dying and so gradually she stops trying to just prevent the apocalypse and tries to uh, prevent her daughter from suffering. What was interesting to me about the three different approaches, because at the end you see that there's three different uh, aims here. Like you've got Adam on one side who he's experienced so much bullshit and so much suffering that he has concluded, you watched his progression of suffering basically, that one, he just wants to undo it. He wants to stop this fucking bullshit. And eventually he gets to the point where, you know what? Paradise is annihilating this entire thing. And it seems dark, but it's kind of a response to suffering uh, or a response to a prison of sort. This is a cycle and none of us can escape. We don't have any freedom. The only freedom we can have is to completely self-annihilate this whole thing. And on the other side, it's the view that this might suck, but we need to uphold this pattern. We just need to keep it going because it gives us all life. And the third force, which is Claudia, is to say, I'm not following either side. I'm going to find out what's really going on. And I'm going to find a way to to actually free myself from or free us, everyone from this pattern. So it's really cool to see how those are three different approaches to awakening or to freedom. Like everyone has their idea of what freedom is. So you can Adam is, is, I'm just going to turn the lights off and destroy this whole thing so that I can be free of anything, nothing happening. And Eve, Eva is, um, we're just going to keep this going. This knot is giving us life and we can just stay in this pattern forever. And Claudia is, there's another way, a different perspective to actually undo this knot. And I thought that was a good parallel to uh, inner work. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, why this is related to inner work and why this is related to the Enneagram is because of the law of three. And it's that the idea is that, and and this was the basis of the Enneagram as Gurdjieff taught it, was that our attention is habitually caught in opposition. And uh, this show Dark has a lot of oppositions it plays with. But, you know, we get caught up in likes and dislikes, avoidances and things that we want the eight worldly winds in Buddhism, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we're always in reaction up or down plus or minus good and bad. And, uh, both perspectives are egocentric. And so, you know, Jonas is Adam, the older Jonas is trying to destroy it, which I think, you know, we talk a lot about this dynamic on the pod, but, uh, you know, he kind of represents almost the gap between four and five energy, like just like destroy it, you know, annihilate it. And, Eva is kind of embodying in her attempts to keep it going, kind of like the the nine or the body space at the top. Yeah. Um, and you got these two poles where this whole knot of creation is locked in a pathological way. And, you know, Emika, you were saying something about the sense of fatigue that was really apparent in yeah. the third season. Mm-hmm. Cause you, if you're watching the show, you identify with Jonas cause he's the main character and he's gone through so much change and there's so much going on and, and you see Jonas in so many different timelines and all the kind of bullshit and disappointment that he goes through. Someone comes along and says, you have to do this. And he does it. And, it, and he recognizes that he was deceived. How many times do you see that happen over and over and over again? So by the time you, you start to understand why he becomes, he starts to take the stance 
that he does about this whole thing, you start to get tired of, of the whole process. Like, like, can we just fucking end, you know, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or any reason for why all this fucked up shit is happening to everyone. And I started to feel the sense of fatigue and I didn't feel like the villain turn for Jonas was uh, abrupt. Like it made sense. You finally understand why he feels the way he does and why he takes the stance that he does, because it's just so the whole thing is just so much suffering over and over again. And there's a point where he tries to kill himself. And that didn't, I wasn't surprised. <laughs> it's just like, this is, can you just like end it? Can I not have right. to do? I think he said, I would just like not to do anything. Right. And and it's kind of, I mean, I've had the feeling uh, in just my own contending with the ideas that, that come up in inner work of this, this sort of sense of repetition or reincarnation or karma or whatever. And just how like, you know, even if like not not necessarily from the, the belief that you're going to die and be born and again, but just that there is a way you cannot escape the cosmic machine, like even even yeah. when you die and how mm. exhausting that is and how it's like, I wish I could not just kill myself, but also kill my soul, you know, like, yeah, annihilate the very any speck of anything that could, could still be me that would continue on because of this sense of overpowering exhaustion in the face of the, the universe unwinding. Yeah, and there was something interesting rewatching the show that I realized like that they were uh, I noticed a lot more is that they were making parallels to what people were like as kids and what they got from their parents as well. Mm. Like you notice that Ulrich is um a cop who cheats on his wife and Tronto his dad, you know, was cheating on his mom as well. So you mm. see a lot yeah. of uh, the sort of sins and traumatic experiences that are just being passed on from generations and you just realize man how everything is connected and nothing happens in isolation um there are things that you are that you get from your parents you know maybe things that are passed on genetically like you cannot escape the cosmic connection of your existence and um you start to feel that on the show like this weight of all these different connections and how everything is interlocking. You can feel that in your life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a, there was a scene that you actually kind of awoke me to the significance of, like I saw it, but I didn't see it until you mentioned this. of so just uh, that character Ulrich, who I think is maybe a type eight, maybe the only eight in the show. Right. Um, he, uh, in the first or second season, he goes back in time and thinking that, this boy is going to grow up to be a man who kidnaps his son. Uh, he beats the shit out of him and kind of scars him for life. And in the third season, an alternative universe Ulrich beats up an alternative universe. This kid's named Helge. Yeah. And, and one of the few times in the whole show, uh, you see in parallel on the screen at the same time. Yes. <laughs> uh, the beating happening to the, but from both universes. Yeah. And it it doesn't hit you over the no, doesn't hit you over the head with it, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but you get you know from that you're like oh like I see all these like patterns just playing out and it's like people ex like just caught in these loops and loops and loops mm -hmm. and, and it it was kind of weird that that those two scenes happened for two different reasons right like in the first season he goes back on certain a uh, certain circumstance. And in the second parallel, well, it doesn't happen the same way. And the, the, the Helgi that he's stoning is an adult Helgi. It, right. it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's just interesting. You start to think about your own life that there are certain things that are destined to happen. And, you know, you could run your life like 10 different times and maybe 
maybe you don't meet her at 15 or 20. Maybe you meet her at 30 instead. Like there's certain paths that are meant to cross no matter what certain events that are meant to take place. And I, I just, that was one of the things that I just felt like, man, everything's fucking connected and certain things are just meant to happen. And they might not happen the same way every single time, but it's like, you are going to end up there. <laughs> right, right. And so that's where I think this character, Claudia, comes in, where she becomes important because uh, you're not just told how exhausting this process is. You as a viewer are sort of dragged through it yourself. I mean, it's entertaining at the same time. You're like, fuck, you know, yeah. the, the overwhelm is pretty intense. And so uh, this Claudia, who initially seemed to be um, mentoring uh, Jonas, who becomes Adam, she finds Adam after he's done what he thinks is going to destroy the knot of this tied up universe. And he's killed the young version of his love interest, Marta, right? Who's pregnant with his younger, younger self's child. And who, who this child becomes sort of the, the key that or the origin of all these bloodlines and, and mix ups and and, you know, throughout the whole show, Adam and Eva are doing their own manipulations to put everybody into the right place for the right thing to happen so that it can either continue for Eva's point of view or end from Adam's point of view. They don't realize that what they're doing, like Adam trying to destroy like his everything that he's been trying to do has been preserving the knot. That was one of the big yeah. uh, ahas for me is like, actually, you trying to change things is preserving the knot. And the other side of it hurt, you know, everything that you, you think that you're doing to manipulate your existence is actually continuing it. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so every time you think you're making a conscious choice, if you're still on the same level, meaning still identified with your personality, with your motivation, whatever, you're not actually changing shit. You just think that you're conscious you think that you're being able to choose in fact can't make a real conscious choice you can make a reactive choice based on your own personality's pre-programming yes i felt yeah i felt like was that was a really profound point in the show just to reveal like um at every single stage Jonas thinks that he's doing something or he's discovered the key this is the thing that i right. need to do to, to create change but finally i'm seeing through the bullshit yeah but actually you're just going deeper into your own suffering, into your own pattern. You're just making deeper grooves around that same pattern. And it was really cool to see that there, you can't fight your way out of this prison. You have to actually step out of it and yeah. find another way. And, and so the other way, the third force in this was Claudia, because Claudia was not trying to end her suffering or perpetuate the knot because that's where all our existence comes from. She was acting out of a different motivation than her own motivation, which was selfless love for her daughter, Regina, and not wanting her daughter to suffer. And so it wasn't that I'm going to wake up or I'm going to, it wasn't a me focused agenda. It was that like, like there's an impartial curiosity and stepping back and being like really seeing. And so she shows up after Adam accomplishes the death that he thinks is going to fix everything. And he's just like, fuck, didn't not, didn't work. Yeah. She shows up and she's like, I could only show up now because you had to do all this stuff to lose complete faith in yourself. Oh, like, uh, you, yeah. Yeah. Like the whole she could have showed up earlier and it wouldn't have worked because he would have found some way to correct and go back to his old ways. But he had to really be, in a sense, humbled and humiliated. And, you know, in inner work with not just, you know, Enneagram stuff, but it's Sufism, it's Gurdjieff, whatever, Christianity, you know, you have to lose faith 
in the personality as the thing that's going to get you what you want and need. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to lose faith so you can find real capital F faith in something higher. And that only, you can only find that higher thing by really, really seeing the prison you're in. And even though Jonas, or as Adam, Adam, whatever, was reacting and seeing he was in prison, in prison, in prison, he couldn't see that he was shaping his own prison through his own biases, through his own clinging to his own egoism. Mm-hmm. And not just Jonas, but mo- all multiple characters are going through their own mm-hmm. levels of awakening on the show. Like uh, you and I discussed about Noah's you know, progression of awakening. Because in the third season, we discovered that he had a daughter with Elizabeth, who's the rebel leader or leader of a group of people in the future who are guarding the God particle. And that daughter is stolen. And that's the event that forces him to embark on trying to figure out time, I guess, working with Adam. And so when you're watching the show initially, you don't you don't realize that this is what's driving him. Mm. And in, initially in the show, he comes across... Um, he kills Claudia or the older version of Claudia and he discovers the ending, which is that his daughter was kidnapped by his wife who is, I can't even explain what the fuck (laughs) his daughter was kidnapped by his wife who traveled to the future with his daughter, older daughter to do so and was put in the past to become Tannhaus's uh, adopted daughter. And so you realize in season two, he recognizes the end and he tries to kill Adam because he realizes that he's been deceived and used by Adam for his own aims this entire time. So multiple characters are going through recognizing that they've been fooled, they've been used, and different levels of awakening to what is actually happening at, at every turn. And so it, for Adam, that's happening, but you know he's the key to unlocking this whole thing. But it's just it was interesting to see that the show was about different levels of mm-hmm. awakening to to what was truly happening. And this is not just like any little awakening. We're talking about complete cataclysmic, life altering sort of revelations that that set the course of people's lives. Like you see that the, most of the show, Noah spent his whole life after losing his kid experimenting on kids to figure out time travel. So he's perpetuating the same trauma that he went through by abducting other people's kids. Right. So, I mean, it's a very interesting show and and how it it explores suffering, explores awakening and explores different levels of awareness. Well, and, and so to that point, um, you know, uh, Claudia gives Adam this, this real awakening. Yeah. And Adam goes, Oh fuck, you know, realizes how fraudulent he's been. And from there, he, Adam, gets in touch with both Eva, the older version of, of World 2 Marta, and Jonas, and the younger version of World 2 Marta. And, you know, and so first he reckon Adam and Eva reconcile, which is they've been at war forever. You know, even though they're sort of like soulmates in the show, they're also at war. And in, normally, I guess, in the loops, he kills her. And yeah. in this, he doesn't. And they, they embrace Adam is able to convince Jonas and young Marta to um, find. So there was the first world, there was the alternative world, finds out that there's actually an origin world. 
that there was an inciting event in the quote unquote normal world. Uh, Emika mentioned um, Tennis, the scientist who ends up creating time travel to get his dead son back. And Jonas and Marta go there and they prevent this death from happening so that the, the parallel universes are never created. Yeah, which it was created when, when he first successfully ran his time machine. It split the worlds and created these alternate universes. And so if his, his uh, son and wife and their daughter wasn't killed, it wouldn't, he wouldn't have embarked on this two-decade journey of building this, this machine. And so they go yeah. back there and they stop. And that was a really great scene too, them, them just like showing up like ghosts and telling the son that. Yeah, um, don't, don't take that don't road take that or bridge. whatever and your father <laughs> loves you. Yeah. And, but you know, what's cool is like you have this parallel thing where the older uh, Jonas and older Marta are reconciling meanwhile and sac- knowingly sacrificing themselves while their younger versions are taking the actions to sacrifice rights themselves. They're not just sacrificing themselves, they're sacrificing their own worlds, which they've mm-hmm. been fighting in different ways for or against. And so, you know, all these, so many of these characters that stem from um, the knots that at the center is Jonas and Marta from this alternative worlds, the alternative worlds and all these characters end up disappearing, end up no longer existing. And it's this huge uh, and very beautiful sacrifice. Yeah, and, and I think I mentioned this to you that, one thing I, I really appreciated, it's very clear to me that the writer of the show is a sexual type, that at the core of this thing is an attraction between yeah. Jonas and Martha. And there are obstacles along the way. In the beginning, it's like his supposedly best friend, you know, steals her from him. And then and they sort of reconcile. And then he eventually discovers that she's his aunt. And in the second season, he gets over that and they reconcile. And then they meet in alternate worlds, like from different worlds, which means they don't know anything about each other. But somehow there's an echo of their attraction to each other and they hook up and make a baby. Like it was just yeah. a very romantic kind of a thing where that it's not overly melodramatic. It's like there's this through line of we have a thing and, and it cuts through time and it cuts through worlds. And it's the beginning and the end of this entire thing. I just thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, there's a couple of like these sort of soulmates. Um, you know, there was like Magnus and um, yeah, who's Marta's sister, and Magnus and Francisca Doppler. Yeah, yeah. And they've then, been together the whole the whole show. Yeah, yeah. And then I mean, even just the like the Charlotte Elizabeth Noah weirdness. Uh, yeah. You know, it's got this element in Hannah and Ulrich. You know, it's just mm-hmm. there's a lot of these these sort of soulmate types. But then, you know, at the very last scene of the show, you're in the origin world where all started, and none of those second those characters that branched off from all the fucking and these other universes exist anymore. And it's kind mm-hmm. of startling how few characters are left. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> right. Kind of kind of amazing, like because that feeling of like, whoa, I was with all these characters for all this time, and they just they don't exist anymore. It's not just they're dead. They just don't exist. Mm-hmm. It never happened, so to speak, in the, in the point of view of the show. Yeah, and it was cool how they tied it up at the end where, um, what's her face? They're having a child, and she's like, I, I thought, I think Jonas is a, Hannah. Yeah, Hannah having a child. I think Jonas is an interesting name, and I was like, if they want to do a fourth season, they could. <laughs> yeah, I think, they, I think they should keep the law of threeness, but I think that it was cool, this idea of these other universes even still influencing the primary universe and vice versa, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time that I've been impressed with how a show wraps up. I'm always <laughs> <laughs> just like, just the ending is even better than, you know, the way it starts. Like, wow. You know, just to add that much depth and complexity that if you actually want to go through with detail that you can find more depth. And, so. and what I thought was really impressive too, is that the story unfolded from the point of view of the viewership still in an interesting way. Like, mm -hmm. Like, you you know, if you have this sort of time travel not thing, like, you can start anywhere and start making the show technically, right? Like, right. like it, it's not based in time. It's, it's like this eternal <laughs> loop. Right. And they managed to unpack these loops in a linear way that was compelling all along. Like, there was never an episode, like, I felt the fatigue you spoke about, but I never felt like, fuck this show. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, because it was just like thread after thread and... If you're paying attention, you, you can see how things are connecting and unfolding and expanding. And so it feels like they don't start you with the level of complexity of the third season and the first season. The first season, like rewatching the show, the first season is harder to watch because you've gotten so used to a level of interlocking complexity in the third season that when you watch the first season, it, it feels slower and it feels too, too simple. And you know that it's not about the kids being abducted and the investigations into that. So you're just like, all right, let's let's move on. Let's keep going because we have some much bigger, bigger ideas and much more complex stuff going on. So it's it's cool to see how they slowly kind of got you used to uh, got you into the complexity and the unfolding of all the things to realize that um, if you actually watch the show that you can grasp all of it over time. Yeah. Beautiful show. Highly <laughs> recommend. Cool. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this, you better have watched the whole thing because we basically just ruined it for you if you if you haven't. <laughs> and even if we ruined it, because uh, I suspect some people be like, I'm never going to watch a German show because that's true. I'm, you know, subtitles or whatever. I I think subtitles are no problem, but uh, I think even with all this in mind, it's still worth watching. Actually, yeah, you're right. If I tell you everything that happens in the show, it just I don't think it even scratches the surface of right. how much you can get out of it. Like I, I can't, I am having a difficult time summing up what the show is about because I, I'm, I, when I think of the show, I think of a, a huge map of interlocking important things to, to look into. So the show is really rich. You could watch the whole thing more than once uh, and still get a lot from it. And it's exceptionally rare that uh, uh, a show is not only good and uh, that a show delivers, but it also that a show genuinely incorporates something of real inner work or real inner understanding in a way that's creative and that you can you're not just learning about it didactically or like you know oh here's an interesting symbol but it doesn't go anywhere like the show itself really is i think a, an inner work piece you yes know, it's, an, it's an artwork that is about inner work and yeah. uh so part of us our motivation for doing this thing is because hopefully other people can appreciate it from that level that may not have an inner work background. Yes, absolutely. I feel like we need more things in a world like this that art that can act as like an initiation into some inner work ideas, but still be entertaining that you can consume it and you can sort of get embedded into your system some of these ideas. And it's, I feel like this is one of those shows you can enjoy the show without getting into that, but I feel like you can't watch the show without coming away with some deeper ideas that suggests something to you about awakening, for example. Yeah, and then, that it lives in you like a, like any kind of artwork or any kind of even just entertainment that you really appreciate. Like you, you're, you're the, the I mean, it's beautifully shot. Like it's 
aesthetically beautiful. And so, you know, it kind of lives in you. Like you're thinking in terms of other worlds and yourself is a part of a, a microcosm within a macrocosm. You know, it's like, like that it affects you in a different way than just like reading some shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I've had seen a show that affected me in terms of the ideas of the show sort of bleeding into my psyche in terms of uh, mm-hmm. suggesting ideas of my own experience of life. Like, I mean, there's so many ideas that are explored that I agree with in terms of this is a reflection of my existence. Like, I feel that there are certain things that are destined that are supposed to happen. I have karmic connections to certain individuals. You feel it. Um, sometimes you have an unexplainable link to someone that you can't explain just like you know the the idea that you could go to a different world that no one knows who you are and still can feel something about someone we've all felt that I, I think all of us can relate to you know these sort of deja vu experiences where you don't feel like if you dreamt something where you're experiencing it for the first time or you have an unusual heart connection to someone I feel like the show really touched on a lot of these mystical concepts but did it in a really realistic way that anyone can relate to and I, you know, it gives me hope that in other universes, OD and I are also best friends. <laughs> and I show up and I stab you in the neck. <laughs> cool. I'm glad we did this. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah.